my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. iHeartRadio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up rituals Scrub star Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for hanging out with us for another session of the iHeart Podcast Network Speaker Series. This is the coolest part of the week for me. I get to take a break, sit down, and talk to partners, creators that we've entered into an idea with, a podcast with. We use podcasting as the excuse to connect and talk. We usually, this is the fun part for me, get to talk about where folks come from, how they got into the creative industry, and why, where they think it's going. Podcasting is at an incredibly awesome moment as a medium. You have a medium that just doesn't seem to be slowing. 120 million Americans a month listening to podcasts, over 80 million Americans a week now listening to podcasts. It's this rare moment in media where a new content type podcasting seems to have come along and actually hit mass reach and doesn't seem to be slowing down. So we try to take a break and talk to some of the creators who are driving all of that growth. We've talked with Martha Stewart, Malcolm Gladwell, Laverne Cox. Today is no exception and is going to be awesome. We're talking about a show 
that we have built in development with Nickelodeon, our partners, as part of a sort of a overall deal we have with Viacom, the hosts of a new podcast we're going to put out there into the world. So first of all, Frankie Grande, Hector Navarro, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us today. Really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here. What an amazing introduction. I actually just got even more excited about our show now. Yeah, now that you told me all those facts and statistics. I was like, yes. really? Fierce work. That Absolutely. reaction is better than like, wait, what did we sign up for? Yeah, yeah no, no, very excited. <laughs> so the coolest thing for me about podcasting is none of us started out as podcasters. I certainly didn't. You can't quite yet, I think, get a degree in podcasting. We come from other careers and jobs and lives. And I think it makes podcasting interesting for a little while here because whenever you develop a show and talk about an idea, people bring all these different mediums as backgrounds to the table. Yeah. So Hector, I'll start with you. Immediately speaking, what industry are you coming from? What sort of skills and experience do you bring to the table when you just, think you know, about it? Get ready for it, guys. That's, get ready a, for it. that's a great question. And I don't know if there's just a one answer. I am really, really fortunate in my life to have been given the opportunities to do things that are basically followed by my passions. So how I ended up with this job, I probably have probably have more podcasting experience than Frankie but not hosting experience and certainly not a more interesting story. So I'm glad I'm going first because Frankie has the much more, <laughs> much more interesting totally. and cool, you know, so I have a little bit more of a, of a straightforward basic steps to get here. But when I was a kid, when I was young, I loved, and I still do, I loved cartoons. I loved animation. I loved comic books. I went to college to study animation and I got a degree in media arts and animation and worked a little bit in the film industry in visual effects and post visual effects afterwards. I was somebody that was helping to turn regular movies into 3D movies. So I'm mm. one of the eight people left on the planet that enjoys 3D movies. I love them very much. But at the same time, I was also moving to Los Angeles and finding a great community in improv. And so I've had since a young age also had this comedic background and I love to perform on stage. And my specialty was improv comedy. And it is a robust community in Los Angeles. I met a lot of my lifelong friends there that I'm still, you know, friends with to this day. And this was about 10 or so years ago when I moved to LA. Through the improv community, met people that then worked in different places in entertainment. One of those people was a fellow named Greg Nix. Shout out to Greg. He was working on a show at Nickelodeon. And he was also with his coworkers developing this podcast, one of the first podcasts that Nickelodeon was doing about five years ago. And he brought me in because he knew me through improv. And when I showed up at Nickelodeon, I said, well, funnily enough, I studied animation and I was even an intern at Nickelodeon when I was in college, like years ago. So I know so some crazy. of the people here in this building. Like I was an intern, I was going to college in San Diego and I would drive twice a week up to Burbank, you know, two and a half hours, three hours or whatever super early in the morning, 6 a.m. to get there at 9 a.m. And this was for like an unpaid internship because it was one of the best experiences is to be able to go as a young person to the Nickelodeon studios, you know, when you love all that stuff. So I came in with the comedy background and then they learned I had like an animation background in a way. And then I became the host of the Nickelodeon animation podcast. Now cut mm -hmm. to today and Nickelodeon and Viacom and iHeartRadio, they're all teaming up to do a new show, a new endeavor that is diving deep into SpongeBob SquarePants from the beginning, the very first episode, and just go through every single episode. And I had an opportunity, I found out through my agent to like audition for this. And once that happened, part of it was, oh yeah, Hector, you're the guy that hosted the podcast that like we're listening to as we're kind of developing this yeah. new thing. So I was really, really lucky to be able to come back to Nickelodeon 
and probably luckier still to get to meet this knucklehead, Frankie, who is <laughs> such an amazing guy. And it's been such a delight to work on this show with him. And we both really do share this love of SpongeBob. And like I said, he's got a much more interesting story. But <laughs> to answer that question, like there's a bunch of different things that led me into yeah. this kind of a podcasting hosting gig. So there. Frankie, what the, about you, man? Where do you come from? With the remaining four minutes yes, from I'm sorry. <laughs> this interview, we will divert to me. Hector, Take your story away. is so interesting. And I think it's so funny that you think that it's not, well, or rather that mine is more interesting. Because yeah. I just, when I learned about you and the fact that you had all of these Same. background in studying cartoons, I was like, what? You're, and you are an encyclopedia. So it is really fun to host the show with you, I Thank must you. say. Thank you. Hey, um, listen, I'm not the only smarty pants. You got to be sure to tell the people I, about okay, your, your marine biology background. That's the okay. best. Okay, go for it. <laughs> okay. So when I was born, uh, no, uh, we'll flash forward to college. So in college, Muhlenberg College, shout out to Muhlenberg, Allentown, Pennsylvania. What's up, go mules? I know, so silly. We were the mules. I studied biology, theater, and dance. I was a triple major. I graduated with two degrees, a Bachelor of the Arts and a Bachelor of the Sciences. And I gave myself a year out of college to make it onto Broadway. Otherwise, this guy was going to medical school. I did have a marine biology focus in college, though, as part of my biology degree. I studied at the Shoals Marine Institute, and I just fell in love with the ocean and everything that, that exists below the ocean. And throughout all of this, of course, I am a massive Nickelodeon fan. Like, I have loved Nickelodeon my whole life. Like, I'm almost getting emotional about it. Like, you know, like Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy and Doug and Hey Arnold and Real Monsters. Like, these were the shows that created me. And so when SpongeBob came into the world, I was on my way to be like being a fully grown adult. Like, you know, I was in my, I was like 18 or something. And I just maybe less 16, whatever. Um, I can't do math. I really can't. That was not one of my degrees. Nothing <laughs> exempt from math in college. Got a three on the AP, but like never took it again. You know, I decided to, you know, um, study marine biology. What was I saying? Three degrees. <laughs> when when SpongeBob really came out. Yeah, when SpongeBob came out, I fell in love with it. Probably because of my marine biology focus as well. But this was all happening on my journey to Broadway. So in the first year after graduating college, I was in Actors Equity, and then shortly after that, I was in Mamma Mia on Broadway. Now my first job, my first actor's equity job, ready for this Nickelodeon uh, little family loop, was playing Boots the Monkey in Dora the Explorer Live, Dora's Pirate Adventure. Awesome. And I awesome. shook my little monkey tail on stage for 6,000 people in Radio City Music Hall. Like, it was just such a cool, <laughs> unbelievable experience. That is awesome. Um, yeah. And that then, is awesome. Mama Mia on Broadway, and then became, you know, a reality TV star. And after reality TV, went into hosting and, you know, had my own TV show on Amazon called Style Code Live. And that was really fun. And I hosted live every single day and did red carpets and things like that. And, you know, um, after that, I, I returned back to Nickelodeon as Frankini on Henry Danger. So if you're listening out there and you recognize my voice and when I'm maniacal, it's because I do play a villain, a super villain. On Nickelodeon right now, I'm also in Danger Force, and uh, it's just been such a blessed return and, you know, be back home at Nickelodeon, you know, in a new way. And mm -hmm. I also love to talk. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> so people are just like, why don't you have a podcast? And I was like, because I guess I'm too lazy. But then when I was asked to host this one, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm yeah. definitely not yeah. too lazy and by to do ask, that. You mean, by <laughs> ask, you mean we basically said, can we just press record?
My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Yeah. Let me drill into something you guys both said. Like, I think it's fair to say, like, I have kids. I see the way they consume TV. We all, I did the same. We all grow up with cartoons. But clearly for you guys, that bridged over into something else where mm-hmm. it was like, no, no, no. I don't just like cartoons. I really like cartoons. It meant something deeper for you. So, Hector, back to you. Like, I'm not sure how to ask. Like, what was there about this medium, like in a deep, emotional way where you were like, no, it's different for me. I really do appreciate this medium. What happened? A couple different things. I, like Frankie, I grew up with those Nickelodeon shows, and that's a big part of it. But at the same time, in the 1990s, there was a lot of other great cartoons and animated movies like Disney was coming back in a big way with the Renaissance movies like Little Mermaid led into Lion King and Aladdin. And those things were behemoths. Mm -hmm. Those things were pop culture moments that you could not ignore. And I felt like as a kid, those kinds of movies gave Hollywood a little bit of pause and they went, okay, we can invest more into animation. And that led to DreamWorks and Shrek and all the different studios that there are to Pixar being what it was. I mean, Toy Story blew my mind in 1995. But what you're asking is what made me stay connected with it? And there was a couple of different things. I remember as a kid, I also loved to draw and I went to school to study animation. And that's part of it is that I love to draw. And when I was real young, my mom and dad took me to SeaWorld when I was like two and they handed me a pad of paper and I was able to draw Shamu. And I was like, that's Shamu. And my mom was impressed, like, oh, there's some talent here. You know, that that little kid ability where you where every kid draws, but sometimes you get a little bit more talent. And more importantly, but yours looked like something. A little bit. But more importantly, <laughs> I also learned this as a kid that at some point 
every kid also stops drawing. And usually that happens when a kid draws a tree and some other kid walks by and they go, that's a tree. And they keep walking and then the the kid's defeated. I knew about that and I was determined to not be defeated by any of that sort of peer pressure. And so I continue to stay connected to loving the art form. Mm. And then when I'm a kid, I think that these shows that were coming out at Nickelodeon and at Cartoon Network and things like Animaniacs, executive produced by Steven Spielberg, all those different shows felt to me like these are programs being made by adults for me, but they're not talking down to me. And they each had those kinds of different lessons. And when I was five years old, I'll be honest too, I had a dream where I was like, one day I'll be president of the United States. That's how I'll positively impact the world. And it wasn't too many years after that where very publicly things happened to the president that a kid could not ignore. And I was like, oh, all of Washington is bad. I was like, oh, no, this is maybe that's not my path. But the thing that stayed with me is the lessons that I learned from cartoons, from animated movies, from animated shows that I felt were real pure and were coming from a good place. I was like, well, those are incorruptible. So maybe my path will be maybe someday I'll work on a cartoon show and be able to put some of that forward and to help kids and to put something positive in the world that kids could get and maybe impact the world positively in that way. Because I certainly wasn't wasn't going to be able to do it being president. That's a tough road. And you'd have to be a little bit of an egomaniac to do that. So that's what made me stay connected. So Frankie for president is basically (laughs) what we're saying. 2024, he has my vote. That that idea of the characters and stories in the medium being incorruptible and that's what kept you tethered to it. What about you, Frankie? Like, was there a moment where you were like, wow, I really like this medium a lot. Would people make fun of you about it? Would they admire it? Did they respect it when it became a career? Like, just walk through that, that whole journey. Well, you know, I also, like Hector, it was those, you know, Disney movies and and Star Wars. And, you know, later in life, it became Harry Potter. I became so obsessed with fantasy. And, you know, I do think, you know, there is an element as like that little gay boy in Boca Raton, Florida, who like didn't have anyone else that looked like him, didn't know what being gay was, like had no frame of reference for what was my feelings that were inside of me that just kind of fell in love with fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say it was escapism because like I had a beautiful childhood. I had a beautiful life. I wasn't trying to go anywhere else, but I did know that there was a world that I wasn't a part of yet Mm -hmm. that I longed to be a part of. And I think these magical worlds and, you know, SpongeBob and the imagination and rainbows and, you know, things that um, I dragons like I'm so obsessed with dragons and like those worlds, like the fact that there is something out there that I know I'm a part of but have not yet discovered was always very appealing to me. And cartoons really allowed me to go there. And I watched SpongeBob so unapologetically for my entire life. Like I would be dating somebody and they would come over and it would be, I would be 22 and I'd be having my orange juice and turkey bacon and eggs. And we, I would watch SpongeBob like every morning. Like that's what I did. And so I have kind of always been true to myself with no one able to kind of penetrate that shield. But that's just kind of who I've always been. You know, later in life when Instagram came around and comments, well, that's a different conversation because that, <laughs> that really pulled me out for a long time. I was obsessed with the comments. I'd find the one bad one and obsess over it. Don't do that, kids. If you're listening, just ignore them. <laughs> there's a really sick people that are in a really bad spot themselves. Yep, ignore them. Yep, yep, Pray for them. Yep. But no, I really, I didn't, I never cared. I was yeah. just part of my DNA because I really do feel like I am SpongeBob. Like, that's always my life. I am shine bright like a Frankie. I am like, my mission is to make other people smile and laugh and have joy in their lives. Sometimes even when I don't have joy in mine, I will will still pull it in. I will find it. 
to give it to somebody else. So no, I didn't really let anyone break me down over it. I think it's a medium that a lot of people dismiss as, oh, whatever. But it's interesting to hear you guys talk about it in a way that's like, no, it's much, much, much more than that. It's it's empowering. It's an empowering medium. and, And I see it's also like, it keeps going through golden ages. Like yes, when we grew up, there was, well, SpongeBob. But now even today, I have two teenagers their world is Naruto, One Piece, yep. Attack on Titan. Oh that my God, that's world. a great show. And, and to your point, Frankie, like my 16-year-old the other day, he's like, I was like, hey, what should I watch? He's like, you should just watch Attack on Titan. <laughs> and I watched like a couple episodes like, this is really good. It's like, unbelievable. It's not, it, this stuff isn't, not that you guys would ever think it is, but it's not dismissible, childish right now. Let's drill into Hector. What were you about to say? I, I mean- the thing that you hit on too, and the thing that I think Frankie and I are honestly achieving with the episodes that we've recorded so far, and I so look forward to every week, is that we get to, as these two grown men, yeah. discuss these episodes of SpongeBob, and we talk about what impacted us when we were kids, but also what we're seeing today. And it's just a great reminder that like this show was made by adults, right. incredibly creative and sweet and endearing and talented grown men and women that made this show. And they put stuff in there on, everything is a choice. Everything is purposeful. And I think to your point, bringing up anime, I think that Western civilization, everybody here in the United States and in the West, it's always been a hurdle to think of animation as for kids. Mm -hmm. And I always think of it as, I think that it's frankly harder to do something that can appeal to all ages as opposed to, hey, I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I came out with this rated R drama about these people right. and they're, get, they're getting a divorce. Hey, that's a great movie, and that's real, and that's honest, but like- And Nicole Kidman will be great in it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, I can't and, wait and, to watch and it. And we're going to heap some awards on it, and there's definitely a, a plenty of you know curse words in it, and people really over, only over 17, maybe over 40, are going to get the most out of it, and that's great. But to make something that people ages 9 to 99, like yeah. honestly, SpongeBob mm-hmm. SquarePants, it's yeah. harder. It's yeah frankly harder to do and so i'm really excited that frankie and i are able to bring that forward and to really highlight the creators Mm -hmm. and steven hillenberg who created spongebob squarepants and all of these amazing folks because it's stuff that we didn't notice as a kid and it's Mm -hmm. stuff that it's tough to get to talk to adults today unless they're already in it unless they're already working in animation it's tough to just you know go talk to my mom about spongebob squarepants but then once i do she's in once you know you explain that process they're in but we've talked about the show a little bit that's what the podcast is about right it's spongebob binge pants is what it's yeah. going to it drops in october you guys are going to watch all the episodes and talk about it but let's actually talk about the show for just a second what was it about this show i mean it mm-hmm. may be obvious to you guys but frankie this is just a colossal eternal ip now why did this show cut through in this way that's permanent what did they get so right i think for me it was like friends like, I feel like everyone talks about friends, like, because, like, they wanted to be, they were part of the friends, they were part of the friend group. Like, for me, I saw me and my friend group in SpongeBob SquarePants. Like, I'm SpongeBob, I have a Patrick in my life, her name is Lauren. Like, we have SpongeBob <laughs> and Patrick dolls. Like, I relate to her the same way that they relate to each other. You know, there is a Squidward in my friend group. There is a Mr. Krabs in my life. I have a Pearl, you know, like, something about that show to me, I felt very represented in it. Like, I felt like I was a part of that show. Yeah. And I still do to this day. I see things that make me giggle and text my friends. And and the gifts and the memes and the things that I share with the people in my life are because they remind me of the characters on the show. Yeah. So 
I just felt like a part of that world, uh, not to make a Disney reference, but I did. <laughs> and I think also like just my obsession with the ocean and marine biology and, you oh, know, right. Hector and I discussed this on the show, but like, this is the first cartoon that was set underwater all the time. What a great idea. And how did no one else do it? Well, underwater is so magical when you're a kid. Like, the creatures that live there are way cooler than anything on the land. Frankie has made connections because he's familiar with, like, underwater sea life that I, even as, like, an uber fan of the show, like, miss. Where Frankie's explaining to me, you know, starfish don't have brains. And I'm going, oh, my God, then that's why Patrick is the dumb guy on the show. I'm like, it's, it's so perfect. And so there, there really is this, you know, Stephen Hillenburg, he was a marine biologist as well. He taught kids and that made it into the show. And Frankie's right. That's a big part of it. Like it's stuff, again, we don't even notice, but like it's baked in there. It's a love letter to underwater life. So awesome. <laughs> Listen, guys, this has been so enjoyable. I deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate you guys talking about this stuff. I think that even now with animation continuing, like I said, to have these golden ages and just explode with new IP, new shows every single year or so. It's really awesome to have you guys go back to a show like this and walk us through why and when and how it just became what it is. So Hector, Frankie, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you. Such a pleasure honor. to be here. Yeah. Thank thanks you for having us. Fun. No, thank you guys. And everybody, thanks for listening. Hopefully it was helpful, enjoyable. You learned something about podcasting, but most of all, check it out. October, this thing drops. If you're a SpongeBob fan, you will be listening. If you're not, you should listen to this show. It's about not just one of the biggest shows that's been put out there in the world in the last 10, 20, 30 years, but it's also about this, about passion, why people like a thing. Yes. And dedicate a lot of their lives to it, which I find just as interesting. So everybody take care of yourselves. We will see you next week. Be good. Bye. Bye. Podversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. 
luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.